how old are you? I'm so, 29. Okay, so yeah. we're similar. So I'm 31. Got it. Um, so we probably like grew up with like very similar things then, I would imagine, right? Like what were some of your favorite shows then, like growing up? Did you Ooh, have like go-tos or? I loved Invader Zim. I was like a cartoon <laughs> that kid. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know why, but it just makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Invader Zim was one of my favorites yeah. growing up. Uh, Same. I was a Nickelodeon kid too, so okay. like Rugrats. And yes. I think Hey Arnold was also Nickelodeon. It, it, yep. Cat dog, like uh-huh. all of those. So Rugrats for sure is one of the shows that I loved. Are you afraid of the dark? Do you remember? Oh that my one? gosh, it's so scary. I still okay. won't read. What is it? R.L. Stein. Okay, Goosebumps. That, Goosebumps. Yeah. I still won't read them. Really? I'm such is a it? scaredy cat. Okay, so horror movies are off. Horror movies, like off. Oh, gore, not a big deal, but like okay. the thriller, scary, like The Ring. Okay, so then you also were like in that range of like where the internet was like starting mm-hmm. like AOL and like chat rooms and ASL. Yes. All, <laughs> like, yeah, all that. Exactly. And your parents are like, don't go on those. Uh-huh. And what do you do when you're told you can't do something? You're doing it. You're, you're doing it. Absolutely. Did you use aim or like, what was your username? Oh gosh. I think it, Oh, I know what it was. It, it embarrassing? Was. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah. It was Choco crack 21. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Chocolate is crack. Yeah. And my favorite number was 21. It's okay. all my basketball jerseys were that number. So okay. Was, so you played basketball. I played basketball up until like seventh or eighth grade okay. when I hit my peak height of five, four. Okay. And as a center, that doesn't that work. Didn't work. Yes. Right. <laughs> so did you just not like playing anymore? Or was it like, okay, because I'm short. It, it was kind of both. Okay. When I was like, I'm not going to go much farther with this. I'm right. not achieving what I, I want to achieve. Okay. And then I also switched to tennis. And I was like, I'm done being a part of a big group. I want to be left alone. Right. I want all my success to be mine, which was right. so conceited like, and egotistical no, a little sense, right? bit. But I wanted it. So speaking of childhood then, so what were like some of the weird things that you did as a kid or weird thoughts you had? Ooh. Let me think of a good answer. Because I was a weird kid. I always have been, like, <laughs> slightly strange. <laughs> um, okay, a weird thing I did, it's around food. Okay. I've always been a kid that likes condiments more than the actual food it's on. So when we were kids left alone, Kraft Easy Mac was super popular at the time. The weird thing I did was I didn't want the noodles. I just wanted the powdered cheese. (laughs) So I used to like sneak into the pantry and like eat little bits of the powdered Uh cheese and then not tell my mom. And she'd be like, what happened to the powdered cheese? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It it must have been my little brother. Okay. So I was going to say, do you have siblings? Because you could easily pin that off. I I saw him walking away with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I did the same thing with like ice cream. I always loved the cookie dough pieces out of the ice cream. So I would dig through the cookie dough, getting the little balls of cookie dough. And then I would smooth it back over. Like nothing happened. Nothing to see here. (laughs) Yep. I was, I was that way about uh, toaster strudels in the packets, like the filling, like the the, the The icing that you put on it. Yeah. I would do that. And um, the marshmallows with Lucky Charms. I think every mm-hmm. every kid probably did that. That was like Hold the thing that you charms. do. You eat all mm-hmm. of them and then hiding like uh, the last of something in the back of the pantry because you don't want it now, but you, you don't want, want someone it. else to have it because mm-hmm. you might want it later. So that was how I was with Debbie Cakes. So you said that you were a weird kid. The weird mm-hmm. how? The, like how would you? A weird as in I was super into school. Okay. Like I was the kid that couldn't wait to go to school because I liked to show off how smart I thought I was. Okay. 
really loved to do that, and I would I would really only read. What, so I was. What old, were your favorites? Nancy Drew. Okay. Was huge, like, and Harry Potter, because that was a I was the kid, and you were too, I think. I was. Where you're waiting for your Hogwarts letter. Yes. I want to do it. When is it coming? I'm well, sitting here. Yeah. I'm 11. I'm about to be. And 11. they were worth a lot of points on the test. Did you have to take tests if you would read books and you would get points? Did your mm-hmm. school do that? Okay. Was it accelerated reader? Was that what it was yeah. called? Yeah. Okay. I can't and believe then, you remember yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you get enough points, you can go to the store mm-hmm. and go buy things like books like Captain Underpants and other weird mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, okay. So what, what were, is there anything else that you felt like defined you? I don't know. I think you? like I, I collected stickers. Okay. They're, you know, the kids either use stickers or they just uh-huh. collected them. I collected them and the sheets of stickers, I would cut them out individually. Okay. Why? No idea. It just made it harder to see them all. Well, even today I collect rocks. I know it's like a nerdy thing to do. I do too, though. Okay. so <laughs> I work for a metaphysical store, so we have crystals. Oh, okay. Which are just fancy rocks. Right. Yeah. And they're I, more beautiful. They're pretty. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then let's switch gears a little bit to, I haven't done this yet on a podcast episode, okay. but like uh, just to kind of like be a little silly and get mm-hmm. to know each other a little bit, we could do some would you rathers okay. and some how much would it cost? And it's Ooh. not going to be weird like how that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> fun. Um, fun, fun, fun. So would you rather wrestle a roach that is the size of an eight-year-old <laughs> or have an eight-year-old that is the size of a roach? I would much rather have an eight-year-old the size of a roach. Okay, got it. <laughs> much rather much would like to be able to put it in a little cage. How are you going to take care of the little fella? Like how are you, or girl. <laughs> you put it in a little cage. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you give it food. Yeah, just pocket. Okay, yeah. all right. I don't know. I think I might want to just take my chances wrestling that roach just once. You know what I mean? Like it would be disgusting mm-hmm. for sure. It would be so slimy and gross. Actually, no. You know what? I don't think I could do it. I would probably throw up. I don't think I could. Like just touching the little legs. Uh-uh. Like the, well, they wouldn't be little. They'd be mm-hmm. big. But next one, um, would you rather know the date that you would personally die or know the date of somebody that you love will die? Ooh, that's hard. Mm-hmm. I believe in self-fulfilling prophecies, so I don't okay. want to know when okay. or how I'm going to die. So it's <laughs> right. going to have to be a loved one. Okay, yeah. Not that I really want to know that either, but right. it's, it's the self-fulfilling prophecy thing uh-huh. of like, if I know that that's happening, then you somehow how back into it. How can I stop it? it? Yeah. And how could I stop it for mm-hmm. the person too? I don't, yeah, mm-hmm. it gets tricky. Okay, so here's a weirder one out of all those. I don't know what your sense of humor is, but we're about to find out. <laughs> um, so would you rather have super strong taste buds, but you can only eat foods that you don't like? Okay. Or the only time that you can taste food is when you poop. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That's unfortunate. Right, right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I I don't want to eat foods that I hate. Yeah. I'm going to have to eat while I poop. But I'm a girl, so we don't do that. Right. So then it's a (laughs) catch. Yes. So you win. Yes. That's perfect. (laughs) I'll I'll concede on that one. Um, So now to the how much would it cost. So this is a weird one that I always ask like at dinner with people. If you're in a 10 by 10 room with a six foot long gator for three minutes, how much would it cost for you to do something like that? Can I climb up the wall? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's up for you to decide. That's for you to decide. Oh, it'd probably have to be $500,000. Okay. Like it would have to be pretty high to be worth risking my life. Right. It has to be worth that, the, the risk for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. And then the last one. So now you're in a much larger room. We'll go 30 by 30. Okay. And it's an eight foot long gator. But it's blindfolded. But here's the other catch. The lights are turned off. 
two million dollars so if me, i can't see it way higher it's like five million because then it's like even though you can't see it you can hear its claws like scratching mm-hmm. right in the dark and i just like just shiver the thought of like a gator just like Sneaking roaming around yeah or like, being around you right i think i'd have to wedge into the like the corner or, like the mm-hmm. wall like you're saying like how can i figure out how to like climb up the wall it's one of the reasons why i won't go into like rivers and lakes and stuff because you don't know what's around you. You can't see. Thank you. You've just validated everything <laughs> I've ever said. So Lauren and everybody makes fun of me because I, I don't do that. Like mm-hmm. if I can't see the water, if it's not clear, I'm not going in. I'm not going in. And at all. In Orlando, we grew up with a retention pond in our suburb. And there were gators in there. Like I grew up knowing there are gators in bodies of water. Right. I know we're in Georgia and it's not likely here. You don't know. No, it's very likely <laughs> with Georgia. I feel like like if you go to um, Skidaway State Park, mm-hmm. like just on that trail, you're gonna see a lot of gators. You know? I'll only do it if it's like the thing to do and the place to do mm-hmm. it. So I went paddleboarding in Costa Rica, but during not Costa the Dominican Republic, but okay. during like our yoga teacher training, that was one of the things. Learn how to do stand up paddleboarding yoga, and I was like. Mm. No, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's for me. I like my yoga on land. I've done it once, so we're good. Yeah, yeah. I've already scratched that off on the bucket mm-hmm. list. Okay. So now we can kind of switch gears again a little bit. Okay. And this is where I feel like we can kind of just dive into the meat of like yeah. what we want to discuss today. And so we kind of briefly, like when we were brainstorming, like what what do you think that we would want to talk about? I know that yoga came up because mm-hmm. it's obviously a common link um, for both of us. But specifically, like yin, right? So, like, yeah. I know nothing about that like, mm-hmm. particular area. So, like, can you inform me and like everybody who's listening? Like, what is that kind of yoga? Like, what is what is it about? Yeah, I think most people probably do know more about yoga when it comes to like a a flow class, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "Well, I can't do that because I can't touch my toes, or I'm not flexible enough." to do power yoga, or I don't want to be in a hot room. And yin yoga is the exact opposite often of what you think about yoga is it's still and it's seated mostly or you're reclined and you hold poses for like five minutes and it doesn't matter if you touch your toes as with any yoga (laughs) none of that matters for all yoga but it is a bit more accessible because most of the time you're in a darker room so there are less people or the perception of people being able to see you and it's so much more focused on being grounded and it's more meditative and introspective than maybe a power yoga class where you're going through motions and you're flowing and you're not really thinking much at all. You're just trying to get through the movements and deal with it. How can I survive this right now? That's (laughs) my thought. Most of the time it is like that, but it keeps you in your body in that way. In yin yoga, you're in your body and it's a physical practice, but you have time and space to kind of process your thoughts which we don't have much time in our day-to-day to to process what we're thinking. I think you even did something, I don't remember which episode it was, where you were just like, hey, take 20 seconds Mm -hmm. and listen to your thoughts. You have no idea what you've been thinking most of the time. Isn't that scary? It's so scary. (laughs) What's going on in there? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I'm being really mean to myself. No wonder I feel bad. Right. And so in the process of yin, you you have silence and you have a teacher that's kind of guiding you through it. And so you hear your thoughts, you meet them with non-judgment and you watch them change, which I think is the coolest part about yin yoga is you're sitting still long enough where you notice like, oh, I'm, that's kind of mean. That's kind of mean. 
oh, now it's drifting away. Oh, I feel a little bit better mm-hmm. in the span of a couple minutes. And it's not as physically boring as just sitting and meditating. <laughs> right. That's, yes. Yeah, because <laughs> you get uncomfortable lot. or like for me, it's like the moment like my knees or my ankles start to hurt. Eric feel discomfort it's like okay all right like what am I doing here kind of like and then I feel like if I move I'm in like ruining it for everyone else you know Mm -hmm. what I mean it's like Like the rustle of something uh is gonna throw someone off which is their own work right (laughs) but that's part like that's that Uh thing in me that's like always wanting everyone else's experience to be good and sometimes at the expense of myself which isn't Mm -hmm. always healthy like it's good to like think about other people and their experiences Mm -hmm. and like but there has to be like a line at which you don't cross, you know what I mean? So that's a hard thing for me to figure out is that line. Like, so when you're in yin yoga, um, like, well, actually let's backtrack. What even got you specifically into that to to begin with? That's a bit of a longer story. I'll try to condense it, (laughs) but I've been practicing yoga since my mom took me to like the Y when I was in high school. And it's always been like, I want to be bendy. I want to touch my toes. I want to do a split kind of yoga. So it's hot power yoga. And I did it all the way through. I got out of college and started my first full-time job. And I was drinking too much and partying partying too much. Work hard, play harder. Uh And doing really well at my job, but miserable. Just like absolutely miserable. And I found a yoga studio there that I could at least go, quote unquote, detox. Right. Uh I could sweat out. Once a week or something, however, yeah. Yeah, I started doing it four, five, six times a week, that same yoga studio had a yin yoga class. And I was so hungover one day, I couldn't even fathom going into a hundred degree room. I was like, okay, well, at least I should do something. I kind of guilted myself into it. And that was really the first time I sat. I was like, oh no, I'm really unhappy. That whole class just kind of like blew my brain a little bit. Do you remember what specifically? You don't have to share it, but yeah, it it was just I was working really hard and I didn't care about what I was doing. Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't sit. We don't sit still and we don't hear it. And so I was trying to numb it through alcohol and buying things. I was in a massive amount of debt. Really? Even though I wouldn't think about like you that way at all. Exactly. And I just, I was spending it all on really good food and I don't (laughs) regret it at all. (laughs) I don't regret it going from my days of eating powdered mac and cheese (laughs) (laughs) to like having fancy glasses of champagne and Uh going to really nice steak dinners and then buying a wardrobe that I always wanted. And I had a sports car I always wanted. And I sat down and I was like, I don't, this isn't helping. This isn't making me happy. I like the achievement that I've created for myself and doing a good job. I appreciate that, but I hate my industry. And so it really kind of challenged my beliefs. And that's when I started seeing a therapist and I started meditating. Thank God for therapy. Yes. (laughs) And just over the course of time, I started going to yin yoga as that way to practice and process and hear my thoughts in a more controlled way. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when you sit down to meditate, it's overwhelming. Absolutely. Without someone there to kind of hold space for you, mm-hmm. which is why those group yoga classes are so important. And that's what I was doing. So the yin actually gave me that perspective that I just, I needed. And it gave me the validation to at some point, once I had a total nervous breakdown to quit my job. Right. So change gears. So you said you had a nervous breakdown, like 
what I guess what was it for you like anxiety or so much anxiety it okay. got to the I had a big imposter syndrome in my job too even mm. though I had been promoted multiple times I there was a point where I it wasn't wouldn't, enough it wasn't enough and I would sit in my hotel room being like I have to go to these meetings and sell them things and I don't want to I don't know how I'm going to show up why would they believe me I'm just some girl even though mm. Obviously, I had a track record of success and I was good at it. It came to a point where I was laying in my hotel room not showing up to meetings. I was like, I couldn't make myself do it. And I was like, this is it. I have to quit. Right. So I, uh, in no means is I'm saying that it's a comparison and that to take away from what you shared. Absolutely um, not. So for me, I, something similar. Like mm-hmm. I was, uh, when I realized that I'd had anxiety, because I, I wasn't even aware that I had it, which mm-hmm. is so weird how you cannot be aware of yeah. underlying issues. Well, you know something's wrong, but what is it? Right. How do you define what it mm-hmm. is? Especially if you don't know somebody who has the experience, it's hard to like pinpoint. And then it, yeah, it came to me and, and, and I was like, oh, the word is anxiety. And so I was working a job that I did not like kind of mm-hmm. what you're saying. And it was, well, s- without saying the company, it was a fitness company and I was doing sales mm-hmm. and their strategy for selling things did not jive with my moral compass. Mm -hmm. And here I was having to sell these memberships and use their tactics. And I voiced to them, Hey, this is how I feel. And they're like, well, this is how we sell. Mm -hmm. Either you can get on board (laughs) or you can leave. Um, and so I struggled with that for like another week or two. And then my anxiety levels were going up and Mm -hmm. it came to a point where like my anxiety was so high, I was starting to dissociate and I was like, okay, I got to do something like this right. is not good. So I had to quit and going to therapy. So mm-hmm. therapy again for the win is amazing. And then go throwing in yoga, dancing mm-hmm. dogs. And it was like all these pieces started to fall into place and I started to get healthy. And then I started to realize that I was doing a lot of things that weren't making me happy. So like what you're saying, it's right. like, like so many people don't realize that they're not happy. And if, if they could slow down or even, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the solution is. How do you get people to recognize that maybe there's something there that they don't know? You know what I mean? Is that yeah, it's hard because we have these systems that we've created, right? Like these really safe, like you've been told at least in our generation growing up, like you have to go get a job. You have to go to, to do that. You have to go to college and you have to have this like 2.5 kids with a dog, white picket fence kind of life to be happy. At least that's what our parents tried to tell us and sell us on. And I think it's hard to deprogram or decondition yourself Mm -hmm. from thinking that that's the way. Right. Because it's been sold to us that way. Absolutely. And you also see like undercurrents of like minimalists and Mm -hmm. that that wave of people going, no, this, this is a a way that's also valid. It's not the way for everybody. Absolutely. But it's another way. And here's Mm -hmm. a way that you can move through the world and not have to work at a job you hate to keep up with the Joneses. (laughs) Right. Yes, absolutely. And it's so funny. So people have always said that I'm like, man, I wouldn't want to keep up with me because it's not great anyway. <laughs> so it's like they need to pick a new name. You know what I mean? I love pick it. a name, a last name that's more successful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Don't, <laughs> don't pick the Joneses, you know? So I think, and, and you kind of touched on a topic that you and I also agreed that I, I feel like we would kind of need to talk about because it it's pretty important right now yeah. in our world. Um, you know, when we talk about like programming 
and things that we're taught and what we think is right. And, and oftentimes I feel like with a lot of it, it's called, called a uh, fire hosing, right? So like when you say something enough times, we tend to believe it even without checking it. And so it's uh-huh. things like, um, like step on a crack, break your mama's back, like silly <laughs> ones when you're a kid yeah. and it starts there. Yeah. And then it goes into other things that, you know, as you, as you get older and we don't question things. And right now, obviously our world is a little chaotic, especially here mm-hmm. in the States. I mean, there's, um, protests and rioting and to be clear if you've ever heard any of the other episodes for everyone listening um i am definitely an ally on board with black lives matter no question no hesitation to say that out loud um but i feel like it would be important for us to discuss that and so for you have you always been on that side or has everybody in your family or like circle been supportive because for me i feel like it wasn't that way so like i had to deprogram a lot Mm i i grew up with grandparents that were very racist. Okay. I even lived with them for a couple years when I was growing up. And I remember thinking in high school, that's not okay. But again, like you said, fire hosing was just so prevalent in my circle and my circle was not diverse. Okay. So not only was I not hearing the other side of the story and it's obviously not being taught in school, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that I should Google it. It just wasn't a thought that I had growing up. I moved into a college and was around not very many diverse people because of my college experience. And then I moved into a very, very white industry, which was insurance. Okay. Which (laughs) tells you everything you need to know. Uh And so it's only really been in the last couple of years where I've started to diversify. Mm -hmm. Same. So thankfully, at least like growing up, I wasn't taught to be ugly to anybody who was mm-hmm. black or any, any shade of, of color. And so I had friends, you know, who, who were black. And so that was never an issue, but it's small things. I feel like we don't recognize mm-hmm. that can be almost more damaging in a way because it's subtle and you don't know that it's there. Like a prime example. Uh, so I was talking to uh, one of my friends and he shared, you know, one of the things that's super subtle that people don't recognize is let's say that you're walking down the street mm-hmm. and somebody who's black walks up what's your body language when they walk by? Do you tense up? Do you, and there's very subtle things Mm -hmm. if you're not aware of that you're giving that off. And so then you have to ask the question, why? Right. And where did that programming come from? And so I feel like there, those things need to be talked about as well that are very subtle that aren't as obvious as overt racism, you know? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things is in college, I would always say, I don't see color. And I had no idea at the time how damaging that was because you're denying the privilege that you have as a white person when you say that Mm -hmm. because there are differences in our color and there's differences in the systems set up for someone like me versus a BIPOC. Mm -hmm. It has been challenging the last couple of days, especially for me because I didn't realize how much I still didn't know. Right. Even though the last couple of years I've tried Mm -hmm. and it's, it's interesting to watch a lot of my friends jump on board Mm-hmm. and to watch some other people that I know not and really resist it. So when I'm looking on my feed, it's like I see people who resist it. And I guess so because I, 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 I like to be fair. I try to be fair, even if I think that I'm right. Like there is that voice mm-hmm. where I'm like, OK, is there any way that I can try to understand like where they're they're coming from? And it's hard because it feels mm-hmm. like, OK, there can't be right. Like there's no way. 
And so I sit there and I'm, I'm trying to like figure out like, what are they afraid of? What are they afraid of that will happen if they support it? Like, what is it? What's the fear behind admitting or acknowledging that maybe just maybe mm-hmm. there could be a system in place that doesn't work for all people? Right. What, what's that hesitation? And I can't figure it out. You know, I think a lot of my opinions and beliefs right now are coming from the book White Fragility. Okay, I haven't it's, read it. I've been listening to it on Audible. Okay. It's so much easier for <laughs> yeah. me to find time. Yeah, listening is, yeah, yeah, it's easier to listen. It's easier. It's why podcasts, I think, are so important. Yes. Um, so I think a lot of it is this implicit belief that racism mm-hmm. is by acting in a way that's racist toward another person. So that is an action. Uh Racism is an action, not a system. And by saying, no, we're living in a racist system, and as a white person, you've been complicit in it, Mm -hmm. you're like, well, then I'm bad. Because we've been taught, if you're racist, you're bad. Uh Uh-huh. Nobody wants to feel like they're the bad guy. Nobody wants to feel like the bad guy. And I do wrestle with guilt for being implicit in the system. Mm -hmm. And also realizing through yoga and therapy that guilt is not a helpful Right. Emotion. There's nothing I can do to change the color of my skin. This is Mm -hmm. the life that I'm living. And I can also do other things Mm -hmm. to move the system, which is have conversations like this one. And more importantly, have conversations with the people who don't quite get it to at least start to push and challenge their beliefs so they hear it. I agree with all of that. It's like, so one of the things that keeps coming up a lot and like, I feel like, I don't know how your comment section is, but mine, Mm -hmm. I feel like people are very opposed to a lot of the things that I post, which I get them mm-hmm. in the Bible Belt. But oftentimes it's like the things that they'll say is, you know, I don't have privilege, you know, I grew up poor. Or, mm-hmm. you know, a long list of things that are similar to those sentiments. And it's like, there's just so much to unpack there. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. And, and I think part of the problem is kind of what we talked about earlier, which is we're told that we need to go to college mm-hmm. and get a good job and find the dream partner and mm-hmm. have a family. And we can get so busy with living the life that we think that we need to have that we don't pay attention to anything else around. And when that happens on top of being taught the wrong things mm-hmm. and on top of not talking about things mm-hmm. that we should be discussing, it actually makes sense why we are where we are right now. It Absolutely. does not excuse it, but it does explain exactly how we ended up in this situation. And it's like, I feel like the people who are opposed, the thing that they don't understand is that there were slaves for 400 years. Yeah. And then finally have rights where they can have, you know, go into public and ride transportation and have, you know, all the privileges that white people can have at that point and vote in the 60s. So not very long ago. No. And then you have the race or the, the war uh, on drugs, which is really about race. And it's mm-hmm. like they've had obstacle after obstacle. And we, we white people who are opposing to black lives matter. It's like they expect black people who have been through all of that to somehow do what white people have done for thousands of years in a a period of 50 years. Right. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And we've stacked the cards against them. (laughs) Yeah. So I I don't know how it's to still word it. I feel like it's like, to me, it's very crystal clear Mm -hmm. that there's, there's a problem and And I hope more people will continue to talk about it. I just, as a white person, I don't know what the answer is. I just had a conversation with my friend, Sean, who is a black man. And and that episode is going to air before this one. But man, like one of the things that I realized that I was, I was afraid, not afraid, I guess, I guess I was, I'll just call it what it is to say black person. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I wanted to say person of color because I felt like it was a bad word and it's not because I feel like oftentimes people use it as a slur. Like they use it in a negative way. So when I would say it, it felt like something that was icky and -hmm. it's not, it's something that they're proud of. They're proud that their skin color is what it is. There's Mm -hmm. no reason to be ashamed of it. Just, and so he called me out in the the episode. (laughs) He's like, why won't you say it? And I was like, that's a really good question. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I guess, yeah, this conditioning conditioning and I think it's also like trying to be politically correct and trying to be I think it kind of comes hand in hand where you are trying to be respectful absolutely it is hard it's hard I I'm currently in the process of just writing an entry or writing a blog post about my feelings on this and trying to words things (laughs) together and as a writer it's hard because you know your work is going to be judged 100 percent And that's why you're kind of putting it out into the world to start a dialogue because it's important. And a lot of the reason why writers write is because they enjoy it. And so there's this big internal battle between I want to share this because I know that there's someone out there like me. And in the process, I'm probably going to get it wrong. I'm going to get it wrong to someone. Mm-hmm. No matter what, I'm not going to be able to please everyone. And my brand of feminism and activist, activism and all mm-hmm. of those things aren't going to mesh with somebody else's idea of feminism and activism. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a different idea. And so it it's a challenge for me to actually hit post. <laughs> because <laughs> I know that in a year from now, because I look back a year from this point, mm-hmm. like, wow, I've learned so much. And I know a year from now, I'm going to look back and go, ooh, I didn't even see that bias or I wasn't even able to catch it no matter how much I edited or had peer reviews. Right. How can we get better at it? (laughs) I don't know what the answer is. How can you... It's doing it, I think. I think it's being willing to be uncomfortable and wrong. Mm. It's something I had to talk about with my therapist a lot is, and something that you practice in yoga is be okay with the discomfort of the thing. And as humans, we're not good at it. It's we run from why discomfort. we run from it. It's why I drank and I bought mm-hmm. clothes and I bought a new car because I was <laughs> right. running from the like distracting. The, I was distracting and numbing and all those things. I think a lot of people do that, and mm-hmm. it makes sense. And it's not wrong because mm-hmm. we can't always like be in discomfort and be in work. Right. There has to be some sort of balance. Mm-hmm. But I think right now we have to be okay being uncomfortable Absolutely. with it and getting it wrong. It's right. putting our foot in our mouth and having someone hopefully correct us. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, 100%. I feel like peop- we all need to be willing to be corrected and also be equally as willing to correct somebody. But I think what's even more important is how we do it. Because I have mm-hmm. seen where it's not handled kindly, you know, <laughs> yeah. and so like it can go to extremes. I think it's very easy for all of us right now. Things are very heightened to... Mm-hmm judge one another very easily. And I think it's important to realize that every person has a story that they tell themselves about Mm -hmm. themselves. And that obviously shapes how we view the world and how we interact with people and what we feel about ourselves. And I think if we can always remind ourselves of that, I think we can have these conversations where it doesn't have to be an ugly thing where you can say, Hey, I just, I see something and I, and maybe you don't see it and I just want to point it out. And then that's where we have to do the part of go, okay, maybe there might be something there. Like I should probably listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard for me. I think I like to pretend like, <laughs> like I'm really good at it, but I can acknowledge that, that, mm-hmm. that that's hard for me at times because I really 
do probably like everyone else. We feel like we're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard when you feel like you are doing the right thing to have somebody tell you the thing that you think you're doing yeah. is, might not be what you think. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And it's even harder when someone's mean about it to yes. your point. It's like nobody wants to be yelled at. Right. Nobody wants to be made to feel like an idiot. Like or you're a horrible. Yeah, yeah, nobody does. Yeah. And I think I've recently had to cut off my social media from my phones. So I didn't delete my profiles. I just took them off my phone because as I'm doom scrolling, yep, <laughs> like same. looking for all the garbage on there. Uh -huh. There's every once in a while, there's one that just makes me feel like absolute garbage and it's not mm. productive to me learning. Yeah. But if I'm having conversations mindfully and mm -hmm. with intention, I think is important. What's your intention behind telling someone, Hey, you're wrong. I think we should, I should ask that myself definitely that question more often because <laughs> it, it, you know, it could be, I man, I hope, I really hope I don't do things to like make people just to be like, be right. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I do, but I don't want to be that person. Right. Like who wants to be the person who's just like being a dick? Like, Hey, I'm so much smart. Nobody wants to be that person. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening and I've made you feel that way, <laughs> please let me know. Cause I don't want to be that person. It's, it's hard. So when we talk, so we've talked about a lot of issues. So like I, for me, when I started this podcast, it's called the mostly good podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, the whole thing was like birthed out of feeling like we all weren't positive enough. And like, mm -hmm. not only that, but like we are ashamed by the weird in ourselves and like yeah. the, the, the conversations we have with ourselves in our heads and we beat ourselves mm -hmm. up and like all that's taking place. And so I wanted to have this show where we could talk about the weirdness that we all have yeah. and like celebrate it. And you know, maybe even if it's just one, one person who's like, oh, that's so me. Like, finally, <laughs> somebody fucking understands yeah. me. But I find myself right now, like, in times like this in the world, it's like, it's very hard to be positive. Yeah. Right? It's very hard. And I want to put a positive spin, but it's like. Uh-huh. I've, I've looked at the systems like I've done a lot of reading recently and you watch like some of the Netflix documentaries like 13th mm -hmm. and you look at how long the system has gone gone on mm -hmm. and there's like this big feeling of despair again of how the fuck <laughs> are we gonna get out of this one yeah and it's not just that it's our politics and mm -hmm. the way this those systems are set up it's our environment and how pollution is even jacked up now mm -hmm. and you're like yeah how am I going to do it? There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems. <laughs> it can be overwhelming. It can be. And and I also have always felt like I'm not a hopeless person. Mm -hmm. I've never been the person to really sit in despair. And part of that has been because I just didn't want to sit. You're very chipper. I feel like you are pretty <laughs> chipper as a person. Normally, but the yeah. last like year I've been struggling with depression, which is okay. really new for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even, again, I didn't know I had it I, until I was talking to my therapist and she's like, you might want to consider <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe what you're telling me sounds like this thing. <laughs> right. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Actually lines up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, and then I, I, ha I go, but I'm normally happy. Right? It's the counter. Uh -huh. it, it's that, that thing. And I, I look at it like I can only do what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And it's no way to live in the world thinking that the things that you're doing don't matter. Right. That is the quickest way to slip into depression is to mm -hmm. go to tell yourself that what I'm doing is not enough. That you don't have a purpose. And that you don't have a purpose and that yeah. what you're doing is futile. That's not going to get you anywhere. No. No. I mean, it's, and it's very easy to right now to slip in that. It's like, mm -hmm. 
you know, all these conversations are going on on Facebook and I battle with which ones do I comment on? Mm -hmm. What do I call out and what do I let go? Mm -hmm. And what's the point in it? And it's very easy to go, oh, this person supports this. And if I counter that, it's like, is that going to change their mind? And is that the only reason that I even bring it up? And then it's like this whole, as an anxious person, it's just a thought after thought and it's a spiral. And I think I'm starting to like settle into this place of, I can't do it all, mm-hmm. which is not an argument to do nothing at all. It right. just means <laughs> that I have to recognize that I am one person. Mm-hmm. I cannot carry the weight of every single problem in the world on my shoulders. I have to pick my battles, which is hard. And I have to recognize that there are other people who are more qualified and capable than me to take on those other battles that I may not be able to face. You know, like I can't feel like I'm the only person doing good in the world. That's a lie. I'm not right. the only, you're doing good. There's plenty of people right. doing good in this world. And to, to think that somehow I'm the savior or like I, it count, it's all weighing on me. I have right. to do it. That's just not true. No, but it's hard. It's hard to pick your battles because yes. there's so many important issues. I mean, yeah, we could go through a list right now and Mm -hmm. that list wouldn't end. We could just, all right, you go, I go, and that list would keep going. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, I just think right now, man, I mean, I don't, I want to have advice and I want to, as having a platform, whether it's small or big, doesn't matter, but people listen, whether that's 10 or hundreds, like I want to have something of value to, to say to people who feel overwhelmed right now. And I, and I feel like I don't, I don't have anything, you know, like, do you feel that way? Because I feel like with what you do, people could easily look to you as somebody, oh, she's spiritual and yoga and yin and it's meditation and it's mindfulness. And like, there could be pressure put on you to somehow have the answer. All the time. Yeah. At least there's pressure put on me, but I think most of that pressure is put on myself. Mm Mm-hmm. When I teach a class, nobody's going to fight back with what I say. They might not (laughs) ever come back, but (laughs) there's been... I would say comfortably zero classes that anyone's calls you out, calls me out for like, actually that's not true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There have been plenty of times I've been in a yoga class and mentally responded and been like, that was an ignorant thing to say. Mm -hmm. And then I never went back to that teacher, but I'm not going to have an argument. Right. And so there's this perception of they're coming to class for me to impart wisdom Mm -hmm. or something insightful or something feel good. And you learn the more you teach that that's what you think they want. Right. And you can't decide what they think. Uh-huh. You can only show up from a place of integrity and say, this is how I feel and I'm going to guide you to figure out what you feel. Mm-hmm. And this is me, mm-hmm. right? And this is who, this I, is am. who I am. If you don't like my flavor, you don't have to come back. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to have, I'm going to cuss in class and I'm going to have some corny food re- related references. Uh-huh. And but it makes it fun. It makes no, it to fun. Me. To me too. But some people don't want to think about food when they're in their yoga class and that's sure. okay. Yeah. If you're not food motivated like me, I, I don't get it. But <laughs> All right. Food is amazing. I don't know how you don't get it, but yeah. 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 I, I tell myself all the time though, it's like, you just have to choose a thing. Yes. and do it mm-hmm. and you have to just keep choosing a thing to the best of your ability mm-hmm. and i don't know the correct platitude or author to attribute this to but it doesn't matter how far you go down the road it's never too late to turn back hmm. yeah that, that's spot on i it mean yeah it might feel that way it might feel like you feel you, trapped you feel trapped or whatever but i 
I think about my career and how I worked so hard. I had an insurance degree. I went into insurance. I finally made it to this this cushy place in the corporate world. Mm. I was like, this isn't enough. And this isn't right. I thought this is what I wanted. I've been working 24 years of my life to get here. (laughs) (laughs) And still, no. Mm -hmm. There's something else. What do you think? So with everything going on right now in our world, what do you what do you f- take or find meaning out of all of this? And like, what do you find to be like the meaning of life? I know it's a huge question, right? That's a like, really big question. It is a huge question. <laughs> and I just put that on you. Like, what's the meaning of life or like, what what's the goal? But for you, like, just personally, like if yeah. you were like, if you could sum up, like, if I could just do this or be about this, like when I'm gone, it would have mm-hmm. been worth it. Is there a thing? I think... A big part, I don't know, we kind of discussed it, but quarantine has actually been really quite lovely for for me. I've quite enjoyed it. I'm an introvert and I'm also very privileged. Like I know that because I have stability and I had Mm -hmm. some savings and all those things that made it comfortable for me to live without Mm -hmm. working for a couple months, that's privilege. Absolutely. <laughs> Acknowledging it first. Yes. But I've spent the last couple months with my partner and we haven't even been together for a year. So that three month time period was mm. in a one bedroom essentially with our roommate, a second bedroom, really close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really close. Yeah. <laughs> and it was phenomenal. Yeah. And it made me think about how much I value my relationships and not just mm. with my partner that I live with, but with the friends that I couldn't see because mm-hmm. I couldn't travel or we were social distancing. Right. And I think if I can just be about the meaningful relationships mm-hmm. in my life, those are the ones, if I can foster that and pay attention to those, that's when my life matters. Mm-hmm. And that's that would make my life matters when I die because I've had that experience of connection. Mm-hmm. And there's like other things around that, right? Like mm-hmm. the satisfaction from being in a, a fulfilling partnership and friendship right. gives you energy to go do your other projects too. Mm-hmm. Because then again, you have that purpose. You have that meaning from connecting with people. I blink a lot. So if, while you're sharing that, <laughs> if you're like, this dude's got weird big <laughs> no, eyes and blinks know. a lot, especially with lights. I'm weird. I have weird eyes. No, I think... It was really beautiful what you're what you're sharing. I mean, relationships at the end of the day are like, I mean, going back to like tribal days for everybody and mm-hmm. like everything was about your tribe, your group, like what's good for the group. Right. Like if you didn't, mm-hmm. you might have been shunned from your group. Like if you if you if you weren't about that. And I think that still stays with us where we want like validation from one another. But we also want to like yeah, we want each other to love each other and we want to have those relationships and without those relationships, even the person who would consider themselves the biggest loner, deep down, they still want relationships. Absolutely. I love my alone time yeah. and I don't love big groups of people, but the people I care about the most mm-hmm. I want to be around and in contact with. That doesn't mean like every day. And I, right. I'm not a person <laughs> that is great at a text message conversation. Okay. It's almost offensive for me to hear my phone buzz. And I'm like, Ugh, do I have to respond now? Yeah, do I? Yeah. And then that's when it comes to like mentally responding and all that stuff. But yeah, it's, it's people and it's I agree. doing it in a way that makes you feel good because we can't love everybody. We can like have appreciation and respect for each other. Absolutely. But I don't think you can have that like 
intimate love connection or mm-hmm. friendship with Absolutely. everybody. Yeah. I mean, you can't like every single person. There's going to mm-hmm. be personalities that you just don't jive with and right. that's okay. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you should be unkind to them. And that's what you're saying. <laughs> right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very important. I think for me, the meaning of life is, I'm, as I'm sure with you has changed a lot as you age. Right. Mm-hmm. And like for me, coming from like the Christian realm and like I, at one point, I don't even know if you know, I used to be a youth pastor. I was very, I don't think I knew that very involved. Whereas now I am not at all. And so for me that changed. And so obviously my meaning of life changed because that meaning was assigned to me based on what the Bible told mm-hmm. me my meaning was. Whereas now I find it and what I think my meaning and value right. is. And that's not to say that people who are religious or Christians that they're dumb or stupid or that theirs isn't it's valid. Their but for yeah. me, that that was no longer good enough meaning. And so for me, I think now the meaning, I agree, it's about the people and it's about the relationships and kind of back to what I said earlier of like always wanting somebody else's experience to be a good one. So one of the questions that I like to ask, like kind of towards the end of everything mm-hmm. is what's a thought that's been bouncing around in your head for a while has there just been something you've been ruminating on or something where it, you just can't seem to shake the thought yeah well i mean we talked about a lot of them yeah. right because it's so prevalent right so now so prevalent i think a big one is truly how do you or how do i show up with integrity and and be impeccable with my word because right now it is so pressing to show up and to do learning or unlearning right? and to be an ally. Yeah. And how do I do that in the small ways, in the ways that aren't overpowering someone else's voice that mm. is more well-spoken and more educated? And why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it because I just want to look like a good person? Right. Because on social media, you need to see that little black square for the sake of right. I did my part. Mm-hmm. Or am I doing it because I really want to show, hey, I'm, I'm trying. I'm about this. I'm about this yeah. and I'm not stopping to be about this. I, so I think there's like this tendency where it's like, you, of course, we should acknowledge everything that's happening because it's very, very important. Mm-hmm. But it can feel like because of all of that, you're also maybe not allowed to be excited about other things. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's a balance of like, there are still good things still happening to a degree. Right. And there's, then there's people that you care about and that you love. And it's this balance of, of that. And for me, that's really hard. That's something that's been bouncing around in my head is like this balance of caring about the things that, that we should care about and, and, and to learn and to, to be educated and to be an ally and then also not feel guilty for the good things that are also in my Mm -hmm. life. And that's, it's hard. It is, it's, it's like, shit. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to fuck up. I don't. I don't. I do not want to screw this up. I want to be on the right side of history. I want to be right. good, not because of the way it looks, but that's just like, so with my anxiety, one of the things is being OCD. And one of my obsessions and fixations is doing the right thing. I am so freaking obsessed <laughs> with doing the right yeah. thing that it, it can stop me from doing anything because it, you get paralysis from yeah. all of the things. And yeah, I just don't want to fuck up. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel this way right now. A lot of white people who want to be helpful, Absolutely. but we just, we're scared to, to screw this up. Yeah. One of my favorite podcasts, if you don't mind me mentioning it. Not at all. Yeah. It's uh, My Favorite Murder. 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's a good one. Yes. And it was the only reason that podcast came to be was uh-huh. because one of the women said, you know, I've never really done this or I, I want to do this and it's not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but that shouldn't stop me. It doesn't have to be right. perfect to do it. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that and I'm not the best at it. So you're a perfectionist too? <laughs> I'm very much a perfectionist. <laughs> There's a reason I have all the writing that I have and I haven't published it. I'm like, it's not good enough for public consumption. Right. Let me light it on fire before you, oh, no. <laughs> before you see it. I don't, but it, it is. It's, I want it. I want to put my best foot forward. I want it to be as perfect as I can make it. Mm-hmm. And to your point, like it's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect and it can't stop you. Mm-hmm. And I feel you because it stopped me before and it still does. Yes. And it's trying to unravel even that system, that belief that you have, that I have of, you just got to keep doing it. You just have to start <laughs> and try and hope uh-huh. for the best and hope that people can see it and yeah. And just keep moving forward or it's always the next, next, what's the next right thing that I can do. Well, again, thank you for, yeah. for showing up having a conversation and I hope that anybody who's listening that you gets you to just ask some questions that maybe you never thought to ask before. Yeah. So thank you. And we will see you on the next episode.